be turning in your Bibles to the book of Luke, chapter 18. We'll uh, begin there in just a moment. <clears throat> yeah, that was, a, uh, that was the weirdest thing with the uh, stolen car. Uh, last Saturday morning, as a uh, matter of fact, she, uh, uh, we got up about 7 o'clock and uh, she uh, put up the shades uh, that, that we put up on the uh, dining room there looking out toward the front uh, yard and, and the street. And uh, she says, uh, why did you leave the trunk of your car open? And uh, I thought, well, I didn't think that I did. And then, and then her eyes just kept getting bigger. She said, oh, my God, where's my car? Because her car was right behind uh, the open trunk that she looked at. So uh, we, uh, we looked and thought, <laughs> you know, yeah, I got out and I walked up down the street as if that's going to solve anything. Uh, <laughs> They stole it and drove it 200 yards. <laughs> but uh, anyway, no, that, if, if that's never happened to you, uh, I hope you never have that experience. But uh, it's one of the weirdest experiences of life. You just look out there and you're like, yeah, it's gone. Wow. Uh, and it hadn't come back, uh, just so you know. Uh, so I, I, you know, I, I Google in, you know, what happens with cars when they're stolen and all that. And so they have all their theories of what happens, but I don't know. Uh, it's gone, at least as far as we're concerned anyway. So uh, anyway, we'll, uh, we'll adjust and adapt and innovate and, uh, and get through this. But uh, it was one of those things, you know, you don't quite ever imagining uh, happening, but uh, it happened. So anyway, you know, uh, whether you're aware of this or not, March is Women's History Month. Are you aware of that? Some of you guys are aware of that. Some of you are not. Don't, no show of hands if you weren't aware of that. You know, no shaming uh, going on that. But uh, Women's is Women's History Month. And I guess last Friday was, uh, I wrote it down here, Chris told me, uh, International Women's Day. And so a lot of focus on women uh, in the uh, minds of people in the United States and perhaps around the world in the last few days and going forward the next few days. And so that got my mind thinking about why well, I should do a sermon uh, related to that topic, uh, women and that kind of thing. And I came up with the idea of Jesus and the women around him. And, and then I thought, ah, oh, that's, that's so done, you know, and, you know, Mary and all that. And everybody knows all those stories and all that. So I have come up with what I think is a unique angle of looking at Jesus uh, and his wonderful widows. Jesus and the wonderful widows. These stories are all going to be found in the book of Luke. We'll look at a couple other scriptures looking around, uh, but we'll stay in Luke with these stories. And the first one we're going to look at is the persistent widow. Luke 18, verse 1. You there? Yeah. Now this is actually not a particular uh, real woman. This is a woman that Jesus creates uh, in His uh, parable that He's going to tell. And, uh, you know, we have to make a note here. There's a tremendous difference between what Jesus sees in these women and what the people around them would have seen of them. In other words, as they were walking through the, the streets of their days, the people who looked at them probably didn't look at them and see the things that Jesus saw. And you know, isn't that great? That Jesus sees in them the, the potential The wonderful things that people around them didn't see. Jesus sees the admirable. He sees the desirable. He sees the commendable. And the world just sees an old woman. And you know, the very same is true. (laughs) 
would you, would you try to constrain yourself over there? <clears throat> and we hope that's true with us, right? You know, when the people in the world see you, they probably just see somebody. They may not even really notice you. You're just a body that's in their way. But when Jesus looks at you, He sees all those wonderful, admirable, desirable, commendable qualities. Luke 18, verse 1. Then Jesus told His disciples a parable to show them they should, they should always pray and not give up. So he's, he's bringing a story, a parable, to these men that He's training. Isn't that interesting? He said, In a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared about men. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused. But finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care about men, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually wear me out with her coming. And then Jesus goes on and He tells the rest of the parable, the persistent widow. This woman has one particular quality. That's a quality that is so wonderful to have in life is persistence. She refused to quit. She went to the judge. Hey, give me a a, a fair judge. No, no. No, no. How many times did this go on? We don't know. But it went on so many times. He says, if I don't finally give this woman what she wants, she's going to wear me out. (laughs) This is a persistent woman. She refuses to quit. How persistent are you? How many times in life can you look back and ask yourself, man, if I would have just hung with it a little bit more. What maybe could have happened in your life. Right. You know, most things in life that are really things that we value are things that come about because of persistence in our life. Because we worked hard to get it. We, we thought about quitting. We maybe would have, but we, did, we got through. Somehow we got through. It's been my experience being involved with campus ministry for many, many, many years that most college students that graduate thought at least once seriously about quitting. Maybe, maybe, maybe some more than once. But you make it through. I was sharing with uh, uh, Bianca Lua this morning. I, I asked her, I said, how's your school year going? Uh, what's your best class? She said English. I said, what's your worst class? And she said, uh, I think uh, math and chemistry. So I said, man, I can relate with that. Math was never my thing. I was good at arithmetic. You know, but when we, when we got past, uh, uh, you know, we got into any kind of theory, I was like, what is this, you know? Uh, a plus B equals C. That's just stupid. Uh, you know, and uh, didn't make any sense to me. And uh, in, the, in the major that I had, industrial education, which is a really nice way of saying shop, uh, that's, uh, that, that, the football players and wrestlers were all in the industrial education department. Uh, they had one class that you had to take to graduate, and I kept putting it off and putting it off and putting it off. It was college-level trigonometry. 
And I was like, oh man, I know this isn't going to be good. You know, but by then I'd become a disciple. And the amazing thing, when you become a disciple, you have all these uh, tools now available to you. One of the guys in the campus ministry that I knew real well was a really, really smart guy. And he said, I'll... I'll, I'll help you with your trigonometry class. He, te- he said, take really good notes when you go to class, and then come back and we'll go over your notes. And so I'd take really good notes, and I'd come back and he'd say, eh, 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 eh. He said, not, not, that's all confusing. Here's what you need to do. And he gave me all the tricks. And I graduated. Amen. <laughs> but... Uh, but I knew, hey, I, I, I got to gut it out. I, I got to be persistent uh, to, to get through this. Persistence is a great quality. If you're not a persistent person, if you look at yourself in the mirror and honestly say, you know, I have a tendency to go easy on myself. I want to encourage you. Get a little tougher. Start looking at your life and saying, hey, I, I need to really go after something in life. Uh, look over to Galatians chapter 6. It's a great uh, little passage here. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 9 about persistence. Galatians 6 and verse 9. He says, let us not become weary. I went a little quick on that. Are you there yet? I know some of you aren't there. You're not fast with your Bibles. You need to get quicker with your Bibles. Come on. You don't know the books of the Bible, that's why you're so slow. <clears throat> Maybe you need to be persistent and, and, and memorize the books of the Bible. Amen. Start with the New Testament. You know, don't don't you don't have to do Habakkuk. Just do the, the 27 books of the New Testament. Go after that. You with me here? Okay. Galatians 6 9. Teenagers, you listen to me. You knuckleheads down here. You know, don't be acting like you know all this. Galatians 6.9 Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if what? If we don't give up. Show up and don't give up. And you'll do a lot of things in life. And Jesus says that with the persistent widow. Number two, the poor widow. Look back to Luke. Luke chapter 21. The poor widow. Luke 21. And verse 1. As Jesus looked up, He saw the rich putting their gifts into the temple treasury. He also saw a poor widow put in two very small copper coins. I tell you the truth, He said, this poor widow has put in more than all the others. All these people gave their gifts out of their wealth. But she, out of her poverty, put in all that she had to live on. The poor widow. What do we know about this woman? Nothing. We know absolutely nothing. Except really her generosity... And her sacrifice. Jesus observes all the rich putting in much more valuable amounts of money. And this is something that we need to understand. When it comes to giving, giving is really a measurement of two things. There's the value amount of what is given. 
We don't know the amount of what the rich people were giving, but it says the rich people were putting in a lot of money from the riches that they had. We do know that this woman gave a very small amount, two very small copper coins, not, not very much money at all. So in, in a sense of the value of what was given, the rich people gave much, much more than this woman. It'd be like if someone threw in a thousand dollars and someone else puts in two pennies. The person who gave a thousand dollars gave much, much more, right? right? That's easy for us to know. It's easier for us to see. But here's what's happening underneath the covers. Here's what we don't know is going on. What did it cost the rich person to give a thousand dollars? The indication would be not much. What did it cost her to throw in the very small amount of money? It cost her everything. So when we give, there's two levels that's going on here with giving. What did you actually give? That counts, right? When Nathan and his team count the contribution, they count up what did we give in our contribution, right? And they come up with a number. We gave X amount of money. But we don't really know this number over here. What did it cost? Right. What did it really cost this woman? It cost her a lot. And so we know from this widow, and we're looking at these widows because we're looking at these qualities that they had, that Jesus saw, that are qualities that we ought to have in our life, Right? Yeah. And this is not just looking at them saying, oh, isn't this wonderful? He is, he is observing these, these widows that, that the world looks at and sees an old woman. He's looking at these old women and He's using them as the example. Remember, the world sees nothing. Jesus sees everything. The world doesn't have any value for these old women. Jesus says these old women are awesome. Because of the character and quality that they have in their life. Her generosity and her sacrifice. Look over the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 11 and verse 25. We'll look at this idea of generosity for just a minute. Proverbs chapter 11 and verse 25. Proverbs 11, verse 25. Generosity. A generous man or a generous person will prosper. He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. Is this passage encouraging generosity? Well, certainly is, isn't it? A generous man will prosper. He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. Generosity is refreshing. When someone is really generous with you, how do you feel? You feel great, don't you? You have been refreshed. All of us have probably had the experience at one time or another. If someone is not generous with you, how do you feel? (laughs) Yeah, starting to feel yuck. Wow. I uh, guess, thank you. Uh, you know, maybe not. What, uh, what, let me ask you this. What is the opposite? If we're going to look at the opposite, what is the opposite of generosity? Being stingy? 
Selfish. Selfish. You haven't come to the word that I came up with yet. Greedy. The opposite of generosity is greed. Now, we have a tendency in our world to think, well, greed, yeah, it's not good, but it's not that big a deal. Everybody's greedy, at least to some degree. And we sort of, we sort of say, yeah, there are some things in life that are really big that you shouldn't have in your life, but yeah, I don't know, greed's not that big of a deal. I'm here to tell you, greed is a really big deal. Look over to 1 Corinthians chapter 5. 1 Corinthians chapter 5. Greed, guys, is a big deal. And we've got to get a little bit more conviction about greed. 1 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 9. Greed's a big deal. Now this is the Apostle Paul writing to the church in Corinth. And he's making observations about some things that are going on in the church there. He says, I have written to you in my letter to not associate with sexually immoral people. Not at all. Meaning the people of this world who are immoral or greedy or swindlers or idolaters. In that case, you would have to leave the world. (laughs) He says, hey, I'm not talking about the people out of the world. The world at that time and our time has people that have all kinds of things in their life. And they're going to be around us. You may work with people that are greedy. You may live around people that are greedy. You may be related to people who are greedy. He said, I'm not talking about people in the world. He says, in that case, you'd have to leave the world. But now I'm writing to you that you must not associate with anyone who calls himself a brother who is sexually immoral or greedy or an idolater or a slander, a drunkard or a swindler. With such a man, do not even eat. Now, if you had the opinion that greedy wasn't that big a deal, I'm telling you, this passage right here is going to enlighten you. Greed's a big deal. This woman was generous. And Jesus notes her generosity. I want you to be generous. God wants you to be generous. And how we deal with people around us. Next time you give a gift to somebody, challenge yourself. This gift needs to be generous. It doesn't need to be greedy. The next time you leave a tip in a restaurant, you need to challenge yourself to be generous and not greedy. The next time you are encouraging someone, you need to be generous and not greedy. You know, more than we want to admit... We want the approval of important people in our life. And it hurts us as people. When the people, the very people that we want to approve of us, never seem to tell us that they do. Parents, listen to me. Parents, listen to me. Your children want your approval. 
They don't need all the time your criticism of what they're not doing enough or what they're not doing good enough. At the end of the day, if they accomplish all the things that you want to, don't want them to accomplish, but if they don't feel your approval, it will be empty to them. They'd rather have a C plus average in your approval than an A plus average in your criticism. This is crucial for you to understand. Be generous with your approval. If they feel like you approve of them, they will run through a wall for you. It's crucial that we be generous as we deal with people around us and that we should be known as a generous person in all areas of our life. I want to also mention her sacrifice. This, this, this contribution she gave cost her something, didn't it? She gave in a lot. She gave in all she had to, to live on. You know, something that is important for us to understand that might seem to be obvious is that sacrifice is not supposed to be easy. If sacrifice is easy, then it really isn't sacrifice. You know, we, we, uh, in this time of year, uh, the Roman Catholic Church, for instance, has, has this is the, the period of Lent, right? And even if we haven't had a, a Catholic background, we understand the idea that during Lent you give up something, right? And, and, uh, and it's supposed to be something that's a, a thing for you, right? Now, we all have things in our life that might be important for us, that might be a sacrifice for us to give up. We have other things in life that it really wouldn't be that big of a sacrifice for us. If, if I were going to say, uh, hey, for, for, uh, for Lent, I'm going to give up going to movies. For some of you, that you'd be like, oh man, I couldn't give up going to movies. You know what? I can't even tell you the last movie I went to. <laughs> so if I say, oh, I'm giving up going to movies, is it a sacrifice? No, it's not a sacrifice, is it? Because it means anything to me. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give up uh, liver and onions. <laughs> What a sacrifice! Right? I can't even tell you last time I had liver and onions. We used to have liver and onions sometimes when I grew up. And uh, my, uh, my, my parents, uh, my dad particularly, his, his angle on, on food and table, uh, things and like that, is that uh, you didn't have to eat whatever my mom cooked. That, that was your choice. You could eat or not eat. But you weren't getting anything else. I mean, you weren't going to have a bowl of cereal. Or, or you weren't going to, mom wasn't going to go make you something else. So when we had liver and onions, uh, I just didn't eat dinner that night. <laughs> and you had, you, I mean, the rule, you had to be at the table. You know, you're not going to, you're not going to not come to the table. You're going to sit there the whole time that, that we're having dinner. But you're not eating anything else. You're, you know, your mother made liver and onions. You can either eat it or not eat it. I'll eat your part, which you usually did. And, and he was probably happy that I didn't eat it. But if I said, if I said, I'm giving up liver and onions, is it a sacrifice? No, it's not a sacrifice at all. I'm going to give up playing tennis. Oh, that's a real killer. I haven't played tennis for about 30 years. Chris and I played tennis on our, uh, on our honeymoon. 
For about 10 minutes. Uh, <laughs> and we spent more time chasing the balls that we hit that ricocheted off and went somewhere else. And, and, and both of us sort of looked at each other and said, bad this, let's go do something else. So M- Marty's going to give up tennis. That's no big deal, right? Because then, no big deal, whatever. Now, those of you who know me well, I'm going to give up golf. Ooh. I'm telling you, on a daily basis, my golf clubs would be talking to me. Come on, Marty. Come on, Marty. Come on. You got to, you got to, you want to. You didn't know golf clubs could talk, did you? <laughs> You're learning a lot of things today. I, I want to mention something here for the church. Put your seatbelt on, please. Guys, getting to church on time and being at all the services of the church is a sacrifice for a lot of us. I understand that. If it's not a sacrifice, what what value is it? When we have a congregational midweek, that means it's congregational. You're in the congregation. You're part of the church. You say, well, it's a a school night and there's a lot I've got going on. Yeah, so what? If it doesn't cost you anything, is it really of any value? Guys, our perspective as God's people on things like attending all the services of the church is that that is a responsibility of a Christian. I'm a grown-up, full-blown adult here. I'm not a little kid that needs to act like a little kid. You would think of me as being a horrible Minister, if I didn't show up to church, you'd say, Marty, it's your job! <laughs> well, let me, let, me, let me help you with something. It is not my job to come to church. I come to church because I'm a Christian. I'm at the services of the church because it's my responsibility as a man of God to be here. Not because it's my job. But because it's my responsibility. Is it a sacrifice? It is. There's many times that it runs through my mind. Huh, I wonder what it would feel like to not go. (laughs) But then I think, you know, it's my responsibility. Come on, Marty, you're a man. Man up. Right. You're an adult. You're not a child. Don't act like a child. It's time to be a man. This woman was known for her generosity and her sacrifice. Let it be said of you that you're a generous person and your commitment, your sacrifice to Christ is proper. Amen. Last widow we need to look at. Look over to Luke 7. You're going to love this. We've had the persistent widow, the poor widow. Now we've got the pounded widow. Luke 7. I told Randy Taylor earlier, he was my inspiration for this one. Randy has been pounded lately. Have you ever felt like in life you're getting pounded? That it seems like, man, I know more than get up and I get hit down again. I I, I get a little momentum going and I I trip again. 
And you know, it's always something that happens in our life. That happens for all of us. But this woman was suffering. She was pounding. Yet Jesus sees this widow and, and he, he is very taken by her. In Luke chapter 7 and verse 11, it says, Soon afterward, Jesus went to, went to a town called Nain, a little town out, out there in that area of the world. And His disciples and a large crowd went along with Him. As He approached the town gate, a dead person was being carried out. Now get this. The only son of his mother, and she was a widow. So we don't know anything about this woman other than the fact that her husband has died and now her only child, her son, has died. A large crowd from the town was with her. Now let's pause right there. Why would this woman, whose husband died, whose son has now died. If she's going to bury her, 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 her dead son, why does she have a large crowd? Let's think that together a little bit. Why is a large crowd with this woman? She was known. You know, in the book of Acts, we're not going to turn there, but in the book of Acts, a woman, Dorcas, dies. And those of us who are from, you won't go read it. Let's go read it. Acts chapter 9 here, real quick. Yeah, just to, to remind us of the story, because there's a parallel between this, these two women. And Dorcas uh, dies. And uh, in, in verse 36, Acts 9, verse 36, it says in Joppa there was a disciple named Tabitha, which when translated is Dorcas. I don't know about you, but I, I prefer Tabitha over Dorcas. Uh, yeah. It's just me. Uh, but, you know, uh, I'd, I'd go with Tabitha if I were them. But anyway, uh, now look at this. Who was always doing good and helping the poor. That's what this woman was doing. She was a widow woman, but she was always doing good and helping the poor. About that time, she became sick and died. And her body was washed and placed upstairs in an upstairs room. Uh, and it goes on down. Look at this, verse 39. Peter went with them, and when he arrived, he was taken upstairs into the room. All the widows stood around him, crying and showing him the robes and the clothing that Dorcas had made while she was still with them. Why all the concern about Dorcas dying? Because Dorcas didn't do it, didn't just an old woman that didn't do anything for anybody. Dorcas was making robes and clothing for them. You know, if you make clothing for them, you've got to have an interest in them. You can't just make a unirobe. <laughs> This is not one size fits all. This is saying, oh, okay, you're you're five three, you're you're you know five six, you're skinny, you're not, uh, you know, whatever. <laughs> she was interested in these people that she was serving, and so when she died, what happened? They're all there crying. This woman that Jesus talks about, a large crowd. Why? I think we find a, a terminology I want to use. Look over to Mark chapter 14. There's another woman here that does something really good for Jesus. And Jesus says something about what she did that's phenomenal. Mark 14 verse 3 it says, When they were in Bethany reclining at the table in the home of a man named Simon the leper, 
A woman came with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume. We don't know what it cost, but it was very expensive. Made of pure nard. She broke the jar and poured the perfume on his head. Some of those present were saying indignantly to one another, why this waste of perfume? We know what that, about their generosity, right? It could have been sold for more than a year's wages and then the money given to the poor. I'll bet they were really concerned about the poor. And they rebuked her harshly. Leave her alone, said Jesus. Why are you bothering her? She's done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you always have with you. And you can help them any time you want. But you will not always have me. Look at this. This terminology right here. This is why we came to this passage. She did what she could. You know, sometimes in life, guys, it's not a matter of do you do the good thing or the bad thing. It's do you do anything. You, she did what she could. You know, there's many things in life, guys, that, that truthfully we can't do. Yeah. Yeah. We, we just, if it's up to us to do that, it's probably never going to be done. But she did what she could. What a great quality. She did what she could. Now many times in life, our problem is, is we, we have jealous feelings and insecure feelings of, well, I wish that I could do what this other person can do and I wish I could be who they are. You know what? You're never going to be anybody else but you. Right. You, you don't need to be able to do what somebody else does. You know, I, I honestly, I, I watched Peter and, and his crew, uh, Carlos and, and the girls, uh, uh, Bobby sing, and I, I'm, I'm like, wow, they, they are really good. I am so glad we have them, and they, they bring such a fun, just wonderful atmosphere into our worship, don't they? Yeah. I love it. They're talented. I can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. And you wouldn't want me to try. It'd be bad. It wouldn't work. Chris is over there going, no, 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 no. And she's right. She hears me in the house. And, and, and you know, <laughs> there's things that you can't do. There's things that I can't do. There's things that this woman that Jesus referred to, she couldn't do anything or everything, but she did what she could. Wouldn't that be a great description of you? Me. You know, in life, a lot of times it's just an issue of showing up. Do something. I've I've told this story before, but I I find it to be hilarious, maybe because it's a story from my background with my dad watching him coach. I remember this uh, of him watching uh, watching him coach, and he was frustrated with his football players. They weren't doing what he wanted them to do, and they kept coming back and wanting more information. 
Well, should I hit this guy? Should I hit that guy? Is this guy my responsibility? Is that guy my responsibility? And I remember dad just said, listen, just hit somebody with a different colored helmet on. (laughs) I I know you probably can't imagine my dad saying something like that, uh, knowing me. But... uh, uh, But you know, sometimes we get way too complicated. What do I need to do? Just do something. You want the church here to be a better church? Do something. You say, well, I don't feel like I'm talented enough to lead a family group. Well, then attend one. (laughs) Well, I don't think I can lead a study with someone. Then assist someone else who leads someone. Bring a visitor who needs someone else to study with them than you. And you can sit down that study. Well, I want to make the service go better. Then help out with the communion preparation. Well, I, I you know, oh, 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 oh. <laughs> Show up. Just hit somebody. <laughs> She did what she could. Isn't that a great thing? I mean, here is this woman that has gotten pounded. Her husband has been taken from her. I don't know what it means to lose a spouse, but I'm telling you, if I live long enough to lose Chris, I'm going to be a mess. Just bet on it. She lost her spouse. And then, bam! She lost her boy. She lost her only child. And she's crying. Said Jesus' heart went out to her. And he says, Don't cry. And he and he goes on in the story and he heals the boy and gives him back to her mother. But you see in this pounded woman what we feel like sometimes in life. We feel like sometimes life is coming at us fast. And and we're having hard things to deal with. You know, as many of us age, our parents are aging. And dealing with aging parents is is a challenge. It's it's, it's a difficult thing. We're aging ourselves. And we're dealing with things in our own health sometimes that we're like, really? This is not firing me up. And it's like, boom, 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 boom. The pounded suffering widow. The persistent widow. The poor widow. These widows, these women in Jesus' life, He sees these fantastic qualities in them. And he sees these things about them that other people don't notice that are wonderful qualities, that are inner qualities. These have nothing to do with the color of their hair or how tall or how short they were. These were about who these women were on their inside. You know, we can't necessarily control the things that people might see or observe about us on the outside. But we have the ability to totally control who we are on the inside. I want to encourage us today. Let's be like that persistent widow. We may be the not the talented person in the room, 
But we can be the persistent person in the room. Let's be like the the poor widow. That we're known for our generosity in what we do and what we say. And our sacrifice and our ability and desire to sacrifice for the Lord and for His causes. And finally, to be like this, this pounded widow. She did what she could. And that's what we can do in our life. I hope this study has been a good study for you. And I would say this. I would encourage you. It is Women's Month. You know, there are unbelievably awesome stories in the Bible about women. Jesus and the women around Him. The sermon I didn't preach. That would be a good one for you to go study. Uh, Jesus and His mother. And Jesus and Mary Magdalene. And you know some of the more highlighted uh, type of women that you would normally think of perhaps with Jesus. And the women who went, went, went with Him that supported Him. Which is uh, a tremendous thing that we also note. But uh, you know, since it's a month, uh, Women's Month and honoring Women's Month in, in the world around us. Uh, let's maybe use that as a theme in our own Bible study. Uh, to study the Bible about uh, women and, and the role of women. And uh, the wonderful women that the Bible talks about in the wonderful uh, examples that they are to us. Have a great week. Next Sunday we'll be right back here. You're dismissed.